Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this guy back. He's a former special assistant to President Donald Trump, also the former press secretary for Vice President uh, Mike Pence. It's Mark Lauder. Mark, how are you? Good to see you. I'm doing great, Joe. How are you? Uh, you are doing great. I agree with you. I'm doing great as well. Uh, although, I certainly don't love what we just saw happen in this election. And, and, and it just it, it makes me wonder when we're going to be able to say, you know what, these mail-in ballots probably aren't where we want to go. I'm not saying there was fraud. I'm saying that there can be easily, according to Jimmy Carter, by the way, um, in mail-in balloting. Why can't we just have an election day, do you think, Mark? And why would we ever say, even if you're able-bodied and you don't need an absentee ballot, we're just going to send you a bunch of ballots to your house, and if you want to send them back, cool. Yeah, I think there's there's got to be some there's got to be some limitations. Look, there is always going to be absentee balloting to some extent, uh, just because people who are out of town, out of the country for work, for whatever, uh, so they can still make sure their voices are heard. But it should be rare. It, you should have to have a reason why you're requesting an absentee or mail-in ballot, and then there should be sh- security protocols. But if we're not going to go to that, then we need to make sure that the conservative side, the Republicans, are fully taking advantage and activating our base through the mail-in program. So this is not just a one-sided affair, which is what we have seen in the last few years. I'll point to Florida. Florida has made great strides since 2000 when obviously they were the focus of everything around the presidential election. Not only did they strengthen their election integrity, they have a very robust mail-in ballot program uh, and it's used by both parties very well. It's uh, Mark Lauder, former special assistant to President Trump. Let's assume that what we just saw happen in the midterms is on the up and up. I'm not sure it was, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. Let's assume people really did vote for John Fetterman over Dr. Oz. And I keep hearing this candidate quality thing. I can't buy it, Mark, because I'm a better candidate than Fetterman, and I've never run for anything. Um, Fetterman is somebody who was so radical, but even before the stroke, somebody who wanted to let people out of prison, somebody who who hated fracking and complained about it all the time. He wanted to shut down industry in Pennsylvania. I'm supposed to believe that this guy, post-stroke, beat Dr. Dr. Oz. So let's assume that really happened, or that Kerry Lake really did lose to Katie Hobbs, or that Michigan really is a totalitarian blue state now. How did that happen? And what is it that that failed on our side that allowed that to happen. Well, I think there's a number of things that we can take away from it, though. The first, I don't, I don't think, even though the, the results of the election were not what we all anticipated and expected, I think there are a lot of bright spots that happened in 2022 that we haven't talked about yet. Number one, if you look at it, we were mostly competing in Democrat territory. So yes. look at the, the New York governor's race. Look at the number of races in California, if they could ever figure out how to count. If, but <laughs> we are winning a lot of the House races in California. You look at uh, you know Iowa for the first time in forever that I can remember has an entire Republican uh, congressional delegation. So there are a lot of benefits there. And when I see that we are competing in Pennsylvania, in uh, Michigan, in Wisconsin, in New Mexico, where the president had to go to save the governor there. Yes. When we're talking about the governor's race and, and, and congressional races in Oregon, in Washington state, we are playing on their turf. Yes, Georgia and Arizona are obviously now swing states, but guess what? Florida, not a swing state. Red state. Yeah, it is, and so is Ohio. I mean, you, you saw some real shining beacons of light, obviously, in the midterms. But but one wonders when you can lose Long Island when 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 Republicans have four seats in New York they shouldn't have um, that is a bright spot. So how exactly does New York then reelect a Kathy Hochul? 
who has literally said, I will re-mandate shots and not rehire these healthcare workers. I'd do it all over again. I mean, here's somebody who's so disconnected that in the debate, Mark, she said, why are you so hung up on crime to Lee Zeldin? Really? Yeah, and here's the thing, and I've actually got an op-ed on this that's going to come out tomorrow in the Washington Times. I I compare it to a relationship. Breaking up sometimes is hard to do. (laughs) Sometimes you backslide, sometimes you get back together, but guess what? Those Those same issues creep up again, and then you break up for good. I think what we're seeing is a multi- election cycle breakup of the Democrat Party. They're losing people left and right from their base, whether it's Hispanic and Latino voters, whether it's double digit gains with black voters. We've obviously seen the blue collar switch because of Donald Trump. And so, yeah, they backslid. And some places at the congressional level, they voted one way, but at the governor or Senate level, they voted another. And there, there was a lot to do with candidates and things like that. But we're still making gains. And all of those ugly things that people don't like about the Democrats aren't going to change. Fetterman and Biden aren't going to support fracking. They're not going to lower gas prices. The, Bernie Sanders and AOC want more government spending as the answer to inflation caused by government spending. Right. So all of these fundamental problems, people are coming to grips with. And as they see more inflation, more rising gas prices, more crime, I think in this next election cycle, they'll be like, you know what? I've, I'm done. I'm over it. I, I gave the Republicans and, or Democrats another shot. I believed John Fetterman or I believed uh, Hobbs and nothing has changed. It's time to go with my gut and go with the party that actually represents me and my interests. It's very interesting. It's Mark Lauder, former special assistant to President Trump. What's interesting to me is that I thought we did hit our lowest point when you've got a thousand carjacking so far this year in Philadelphia, when you've got Chicago with 50, 60 shootings every weekend, when you've got uh, Arizona that saw Mark Kelly do nothing about the border. I thought we had hit bottom. So, so your feeling is, politically speaking, we, we're getting there, but we're not quite there. No, I just don't think that they've sold the deal yet. It's not the question that people believe us, and I think they know that our policies work better, but you're talking about ingrained behavior over the course of decades and machine politics that has been ingrained in so many people for decades that they have to vote Democrat. And I think now we've started to see that crack. And as anyone who lives, you know, anywhere where, you know, you get freezes in the winter, once it becomes a crack, it's going to grow and grow and grow. And I think that's what we're seeing happening a little bit in 20, uh, more in 2022. And I think the dam is finally going to break in 24. I hope so. But it is reminiscent. And I'll remind you that when Obama won, the Republicans said, give us the House in 10. We did. They didn't fix it. Oh, just give us the Senate in 14. We did. And they didn't fix it. Well, give us the executive in 16. And we did. And for about a year, President Donald Trump got an incredible agenda that was pro-American, pro-individual, pro-freedom, pro-liberty, low regulations, low taxes. Let's drill. Let's build the wall. And then even the wishy-washy Republicans started putting the brakes on. And I just feel like we're going through that cycle again. Do we have leadership in place right now, do you think? And I don't know how you feel about Mitch McConnell. I don't know how you feel about Kevin McCarthy. But I know that Mitch McConnell outspent Kelly Chewbacca in Alaska, hoping that Lisa Murkowski would win. I know that he barely spent any money in Arizona for Blake Masters, as Mark Kelly had $73 million in his coffers. Do we have the right leadership in place, Mark? 
You know, I, I, in this case, I'm going to trust the voters. Uh, and, and as we're speaking to the leadership, you know, that would be the members of the Senate Republican Caucus yeah. or the new House majority uh, who elected today, obviously, uh, Kevin McCarthy to right. be the speaker. You know, it, as a person who believes in democracy, whether it's for the Senate leadership, the speaker, the Republican nomination for president or, or anywhere in between, we've got to respect the will of those voters. And the one thing I would beg everyone, especially those in MAGA world, who obviously I know very well, is that just because someone may only be 90% with us doesn't mean they're 10% our enemy. So let's keep fighting. Let's fight the good fight. But let's obviously respect the outcome of these elections, follow the leadership, keep working on getting our leaders there if we think that change needs to be made. But if we don't come together, whether it's behind Speaker McCarthy or the Senate leader, whomever that turns out to be, or our nominee, then we're just going to hand over the reins of power for more radical leftist policies that are failing our country. Well, I agree with you. It's Mark Lauder, former special assistant to President Trump, former press secretary for Vice President Mike Pence. You've got a faction in the House that's ready to fight. They've got their sleeves rolled up. You've got Matt Gates and, and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, and you can just go down the list. There are a bunch of people. Jim Jordan is in that camp, I believe, although I think he supports McCarthy as the leader. Can the 90% get along with 100%. I mean, some of these people are 100%ers who say, I want it to be 100% full-on conservative, Republican, we're going to fight tooth and nail to get what the American people expect of us, while the others might want to get along. I guess the question is, Mark, do, do we need to, to worry so much about reaching across the aisle? I think Americans are ready for a fight, aren't they? I think they're ready for a fight, but obviously there are certain things where we have to keep the doors open. We have to keep the lights on. Yeah. And, and you know, there's a, great, there's a great example. I remember there was a budget, I think, early in the Trump administration where some members of, of the House were not going to go along with it because it didn't give them everything they wanted. Right. Well, guess what? It, you know, the leaders, the House Republican leaders at the time then had to go to Democrats to get the necessary votes to get, you know, the budget or whatever that was passed. That drove up the cost. And so there's nothing saying that we can't accept 90% of our goal, continue to fight and champion for that last 10%, but let's not turn away 90% in hopes of getting perfection. Doesn't mean you have to give up the dream, the fight, the goal, but let's take that step and keep moving in that direction because if you force the leaders who are actually governing to have to go to the other side, you actually put us back to 80, 75% of what we want as opposed to the 90. Yeah, that's a very good point. How important is is the Georgia race? I, for a minute, because I was mad, um, thought, ah, screw it, who cares? Uh, well, I do care now because if it's 50-50 and you can pick off a cinema or a mansion, uh, then you're in business. Absolutely. And you're and you're not that far away. Obviously, you know, Joe Manchin is going to face a very difficult race in 2024. Yeah, there are at least six or seven Democrats in states that Trump won in either 16 or 20 that are going to be on the ballot and some in very blue in very red states now. So those should be easy places for us to look for votes on very difficult issues that are popular with their people back home. But the other reason I'll tell you, for no other reason, if you need the example, Keeping Kamala Harris locked in Washington, D.C., where she has to be the 51st vote, is no better reason 
keep her locked up, keep her working in D.C. as opposed to going out and creating more havoc around the country or the world. That, to me, seems like a pretty good reason to go 50-50. I don't disagree. It's Mark Lauder. Mark, I always appreciate the time and the access. Uh, Just a quick question on this. So you've got the House of Representatives. You have the purse strings. Nobody but nobody who's a conservative American who believes in this this country wants 87,000 new IRS agents. The House now can, can move to defund that. The Senate would have to go along with that. Do, do they have any chance of defunding any of this radical agenda that was put forth by Biden and a, and a Democrat House and Senate? Do they really have a chance here or not? You know, I, well, obviously the House can pass it, and I think they will. I think it will be one of the first orders of business that they take up with the new majority. And then it's also a negotiation point. If you've got to come to an agreement with the Senate on a spending bill, whether it's short-term or long-term, yeah. you know, you may give up something that, that Chuck Schumer and the, and the radical left really wants in, in exchange for something real we really want. So, you know, you could have it there as a negotiating chip, but no, obviously neither side is going to get what they want just because neither side, you know, we have split control of Congress. And then, of course, ultimately, Joe Biden has the veto pen and nobody has a a veto proof majority. So, you know, it's going to be incremental. It needs to be something that we can slow walk. And, you know, we have to use the power where we have since we only have control of that one house. Yeah. Uh, But again, 50 is better than 49. Well, it is, and I think that's a great point. Uh, last question for you, Mark. The border is a major issue. It is a huge issue. In fact, just today, my governor, Greg Abbott, here in Texas, uh, made the decision to say it's an invasion, and he's he's uh, going to the constitutional clause that says the states can do all they have to do to stop the invasion from happening. So he's making a major move, putting the Texas National Guard on the border, and they're going to start using enforcement tactics, not just be there for a, for a show of force. In, in the House of Representatives, I've heard every Republican for the past four or five months of this election cycle, we're going to impeach Mayorkas. Mayorkas, obviously, the DHS secretary is either blind, incompetent, doesn't care. He's just a, a tool for Biden. I'm not sure what his story is, but he's so bad that the Border, border Patrol turns their back on him. Do you start impeaching people now that you have the House or not? You know, I I think the impeachment uh, is probably like one of those last ditch efforts and it's designed for high crimes and misdemeanors, not in ineptitude in office, which obviously Mayorkas shows Uh, it, it would never get past the Senate. So, yeah, you could do it as a messaging document, but I'd rather see him sit there and answer questions from the Congress and from the House of Representatives about why he's not doing his job and highlight all of the continuous failures that he has shown and and his ineptness uh, at being the Secretary of Homeland Security. In fact, I have the benefit of working with the former acting Secretary of Homeland Security. He'll arm him with a few questions here and there if we need to. (laughs) You're talking about Tom Holman, I'm guessing. The guy's amazing. uh, No, Chad Wolf. Oh, Chad is also uh, amazing. I've had him on as well. Yeah, I love Tom Holman as well. But, uh, you know, so we'll definitely help prepare him for that. But ultimately, it's accountability. Whether you use impeachment or not, you don't have the Senate. It's not going to get the necessary votes. But make him such a liability that the Biden administration has to dump him overboard because that's what he actually is. And I think just continuing to call him up for oversight, for hearings, for testimony, demand answers, demand documents. Let's see what the the communications in DHS or between DHS and the White House is and see where this line goes, because someone's given the order to turn a blind eye to the to the southern border. And that's why it's left totally open and unsecure. All right. Maybe 30 seconds. This is the last question, but you took me here. Do you put Fauci <laughs> in front of them? Do you put Walensky in front of them? Do you call the NIH, the CDC, the FDA? Do you make them all answer questions about the, the lockdowns and the mandates and and the incorrect science early on when it came to the to the shots? 
Absolutely. I think we I think the American people deserve answers. Uh, we were sold one bill of goods and we need to know if we're going to follow the science. We need to trust the scientists. And if you are the ones doing it, were you doing it? Were you wrong yeah. or were you intentionally misleading us? I think that's the simple answer. And that's what the House majority under new leadership can get done. Uh, Mark, I appreciate the knowledge and the time. As, as much time as, you, as you've got for us going forward, come back a lot. Because I think the next two years are going to be very, very interesting about the future of our country. It's uh, Mark Lauder, former special assistant President Trump, former press secretary to Vice President Mike Pence. Mike, uh, Mark, come back soon, okay? I will. Thanks, Joe. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pegg Show. Glad you tuned into the Joe Pag Show tonight. Thanks a lot for making that happen. We appreciate Mark Lauder coming by, too. He's going to go to Mar-a-Lago, I think, tomorrow or the next day, and we may, in fact, hook up again after that to find out what he's hearing directly from former President Trump. Let me go to the phone lines in the meantime. Kansas, Keith, what's going on? Hi. Hey, what's going on? Living the dream. You called me. What's happening? Hey, uh, I was listening to your show for a long, long time. You're awesome. Thank you. I think that President Trump just may announce that he's going to Speaker of the House which would be awesome, and him and peace Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and run again another two years and then run again in 2024. All right, well, Keith, I hear you. He can't run He can't run two more times. He can run one more time. You can do two full terms of four years. But, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Speaker of the House is going to be, unfortunately, Kevin McCarthy, and I don't think that he's uh, going to be running for Speaker of the House. I've got maybe a minute for you. Zabin, Zabin, talk to me. What's happening? Hey, Joe. Nice, nice to talk to you, man. Thanks. I'm a retired police officer from New York City, 9-11 survivor. Thank you, man. And uh, 32 years Air Force flight engineer. Thank you. So I've been very much into this political stuff for years now, and I don't hear anybody talking about a Trump-DeSantis ticket very rarely. And I hear the talking uh, talking heads, you know, the, the afternoon guys and all these, uh, they're trying to pit Trump against DeSantis. And this is really irking me. I don't know what the problem is, but that would be a win-win ticket. Trump, DeSantis, DeSantis would bring on all the naysayers, and Trump has his following to begin with, and I think this would be a winning combination, however you want to look at it. And then after Trump cleans house with the FBI and all the corruption, because he's got nothing to lose, DeSantis goes another eight years. That's my take on it. I hear you. It can't happen. And listening on the radio, I'll tell you why it can't happen. Because if it comes down to the Electoral College, because they both are residents of Florida, they both call Florida home, um, the Electoral College, the electors in Florida, that would be a problem. It would give them fewer electors than, than a team on the other side that has somebody from one state and from a different state. Look it up and see why that would be a problem. Trust me, it would be. Keep it here. This is the Joe Pegg Show.